I want to start off by just beginning to tell you where this little sermon series is coming from. And this is basically all I'll say about its, its origin so that you will know. And, and uh, several of you have asked questions, so this will just kind of be a little, little disclaimer. First of all, um, the sermon series that we're going to be engaged in over the next uh, four or five weeks is called Fortify, about renewing, restrengthening, uh, reviving our spiritual strength. Just kind, of, just kind of God getting us going, getting us jazzed up again, just, just coming and walking in our lives and doing something beyond the ordinary. Because I think too many times we as Christians expect God who is extraordinary to do ordinary things because we live ordinary lives when an extraordinary God wants to do extraordinary things extraordinary things and cause us to live an extraordinary life. So that's kind of the whole idea behind this thing of of Fortify. I've actually been working on this set of sermons for about three years. And let me tell you why. About three years ago, in the end of 2015, God just laid this kind of burden on my heart because we send mission teams out as they have gone this summer to our fifth and sixth graders went to Erie, Pennsylvania. Our teens are going to Bulgaria. Uh, Joe led a team in, uh, just several weeks ago, or last week, week and a half, they got back from, um, from Africa and Uganda. And so we lead them all the time. And God just kind of laid on my heart because our missionaries have been really struggling. Our brother and sisters that we support have been really struggling. So God laid it on my heart to take a retreat, a mission trip to them, and they would be the object of the mission trip, that we would go and love on them and serve them and encourage them and help fortify their faith in a time where they were really kind of weakening and, and just to love on them and encourage them. And so Fortify was born. The next slide will show you where, where we're going. I think the next slide will tell you. Uh, it, it, so now what started off as kind of this small thing has just grown to over 60 missionaries um, from five different countries. 14 folks are going from the United States to minister to them. We've raised over 60, $62,000 for this. So now that it's at no cost to the missionaries and it's no cost to the mission department. And we're pretty, pretty thrilled about that aspect of it as well. And this has been, when we go there, I'm telling you, and we'll go there the end of August and uh, through the 1st of September, then I'm going to take a little vacation and see Blake and where he's been hanging out in Oxford uh, for a few days. But we are just going to be working so incredibly hard, loving on our missionaries and our ladies, uh, uh, Carol Albright's um, light small group has pitched in, done a wonderful job. Our children's church is sending a shoebox to their to a couple of missionary children, and so we're just excited about what God is going to do, and that is the backdrop and the background for these series of messages called Fortify, all right? That's enough about that. Turn to Acts chapter 3. I love the book of Acts. There's a story written in the book of Acts chapter 3, which in the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a historian. He was a devout follower of Jesus Christ and was an eyewitness to many, many of the crucial events of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts, he records the Acts of the Apostles as they are transitioning from the law to grace through the spread of the gospel as chronicled and given to us in the book of Acts. Uh, 
I, I want to take you to one of my favorite stories right there in Acts chapter 3. And I'm concerned that too many of us come to church kind of like this guy does in Acts chapter 1. There's too many, or Acts chapter 3, there's too many of us living and operating spiritually at the level of low expectation. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about, this level of low expectation. We settle into this kind of zone or rut or groove of Christian living where we don't expect anything more from God than what we've already gotten. And we, we don't expect God to do anything above and beyond where we're at. And, and it's just we kind of settle into this realm of just kind of low expectations and low just kind of spiritual living. And so I just kind of want to walk us through that story because when you ask so many Christians, when I ask you, how you doing, most, a lot of people reply, hey, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. Like our circumstances have more power authority than the God of heaven who gave his son, the one you just sang about, who gave us power over death, hell, and the grave and gave us authority over the circumstances in our lives. Yet because we live at a level of low expectation, we choose to live under the circumstances instead of living in the high calling of Jesus Christ. So Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. We're told that it's the ninth hour. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That would be three in the afternoon, our time. The Jews had three times to pray. They were at 9, 12, and 3 o'clock, our time. And as they would go to pray, they believed that the more time they spent with God, the more God would bless them, the more they would understand about God. And therefore, they did not look at prayer as a waste of time. They looked at prayer as an investment of time. I think that's a great way to look at it. And so that's the reason for them going to church in the middle of the day. By the way, if you and I could just kind of connect with God more, I, I, do, I, I think things would go better. I really do. But that's not the point of the message this morning. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, And a man lame, crippled. He was not only lame and crippled, but because he was lame and crippled, he couldn't work, so he had to beg. He was a beggar. So here they come across this lame, crippled man being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called Beautiful. Now, by the way, just to let you know, this gate Beautiful is where everybody kind of came in and out. It stood about 70 feet high, took about 20 people to open and close the gate. It was something that was really just magnificent and just inspiring to look at. And he went there not to be inspired. He went there not to be closer to God. He went there to sit so that every day, at 9, 12, and 3, when the good folk of the church came to go to prayer meeting, they drop a little change in his tin cup. Because that's all he could do. He didn't expect anything more. He didn't expect anything less. Some days were good, and maybe some days were not so good. We're told in Acts chapter 4, somewhere along around verse 22, that this lame beggar man had done this for 40 years. That is quite a career. For 40 years, he'd sit outside the gate. For 40 years, folks would come by. 
for 40 years when they'd walk by, people throw in a little something and he'd say, thank you, God bless you, praise the Lord, have a wonderful day, amen, all the good Christian stuff. And no matter how much money they put in at the 9th, 12th, the 3rd, at the 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, or 3 o'clock hour, no matter how much money they put in a year or a lifetime of years, it did not take care of what that man truly needed. See, what that man truly needed, he didn't need more money, he needed to learn how to walk. But he settled for the money. He had low expectations. If it wasn't going to get any better than what it's already been, then... This is what I need to get by another day. And he asked Hans, held out his little tin can, said, can you help me? Can you please help me make it through another day? And I wonder how many of you came to the church called Kirby today and you got your tin cup ready. Oh, you don't need money today. What you do, you might need is another blessing to help make help you get through the week. You need another song just kind of get you going to carry you through another day. You need a good message just to kind of rev you up, fire you up, just so that you might enjoy another day. And you think that if you just got that song, that message, that handshake, that, that word of encouragement from somebody somewhere, you could just make it through another day. Can I remind you, that Jesus Christ does not want you to come to church with your tin cup in hand. He wants you to come to church with your heart wide open because he does not want to give you another blessing to help you through the day. He wants to change your life so it is forever, forever lives in the realm of God's best for you. So the man, and he was lame, he just came begging Got, got anything? Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Somebody else come by and drop another little coin in. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. And it was just, he got settled. See, here's the problem with low expectations. You get comfortable with just getting by even if you were a beggar. And I just want to remind you, God's people are not beggars. The Bible says that we're seated in the heavenly places. The Bible calls us saints. We're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Yet spiritually, spiritually, many of us still come begging for the coinage of blessing just to get us by another day. And that's the danger of living at the level of low expectation man couldn't stand. He was crippled. He was crippled in front of the church house. The Bible says he was sitting there for 40 years. He just sat at this gate called beautiful. You know, I suspect we have some spiritual cripples in this service this morning. And I don't mean anything unkind by that, but you've come to church maybe for 40 years. You've come to church week after week, and you've depended on somebody else to give you that blessing. You've depended on somebody else to help you make it through. And God says, I got something better for you than somebody else's blessing. I have my blessing. I have my power. I have my authority. And if you have the choice to choose and you do, don't choose another person's blessings. You choose me. 
After all, wasn't it Jesus who said, greater is he that, that is in you than he that is in the world? And yet so many of us will hold our tin cups out to Jesus and ask for the blessing. And all the time we really want what's out there in the world. See, the lame man was just like a lot of us. He thought money could fix his problems. It'd help him get by another day. But it didn't. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 tells us, it says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He didn't know that they were any special. To, to the beggar man, they weren't any different than the last guy or the last family or the last group. And they wouldn't be any different than the next group or the next family or the next person. And he's asked them to receive alms. Peter and John responded in verse 4. Look at what it says in verse 4. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. When I was a kid, we had a preacher all the time. He'd go, look here. When he thought he was going to say something really good, he'd go, look here. You know, Peter did that. Peter go, look at me. Look at me. I want you to focus right here. He, he's saying, put your tin cup down. Because, you know, you, you hold up the tin cups between you and, and them. He's saying, put your tin cup down, and I want you to look at me. Isn't it funny that sometimes we can look past the very thing that God has put in front of us to absolutely bless us and make a world of difference. He said, look at me. And then look at, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. He said, he fixed his attention on him, expecting to receive something from him. I would imagine this guy is going, whoo-hoo, there's going to be no change in my tin cup right now. He's going to get some paper. He's going to write me a check. He's going to give me the credit card. He's going to, he's going to give me some Benjamins. He's going to give me some, some real money. He's not going to give me those, that puny little coinage that everybody else puts by. These guys, man, he was expecting to receive something from them. I don't know if he expected to receive something from the previous guy, but if you're begging and the guy says, all right, look at me, all of a sudden your expectation is going to be raised. And look at what he did in verse 6. In verse 6 he said, I have no silver and gold. Now that's a killer, isn't it? I mean, if you're a beggar and all you have done for 40 years is hold out your cup as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, if that is all you've done and that is all you know and your expectations have been raised and now they look at you, the King James puts it this way, silver and gold have I none. Maybe Peter's, that maybe might have been Peter's way of saying, listen, buddy, you got more, <laughs> you got more money in your tin cup than I got in my pocket. 
But what you need is not in my pocket and it's not in your tin cup. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all of a sudden, that man felt a little something going on. And, he, and Peter said, rise up and walk. Boy, was that a shock to him. You talk about popping somebody's bubble. He said, I don't have any money, but I got something better. I wonder how many times you and I have brought our tin cup to Jesus and he tells us to put it down, look our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, and says, listen, I got something better for you. But if all you want from Jesus is what you think you need and you don't trust him for what he knows is best for you, and you have your cup out just to get your need met, just to get you through another day, just to get you through another day, just to get you through another week and another week, you're going to miss God's best for you. Because I'll be honest, you and I don't know what's best for us. Can we just amen that? I mean, honestly, I am so glad God not only saved me from my sins, but man, he saved me from myself. I'd have made some really ridiculous mistakes in life if I hadn't trusted God. And you would have too. I remember at 16, man, I prayed. I prayed for a car. And you guys know I'm not a car guy. My wife gets so frustrated. If I drive the new church van, the old church van, or a scooter, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I get to point A to point B, I'm good with it. But man, when I was 16, I wanted a candy apple red 1969, I think it was, Corvette. Oh, buddy, I could see myself flying down 35 and Interstate 75 going 110 miles an hour, baby, with a hood down. You know what God gave me? He gave me a 67 Chevy truck that had more rust than truck. Brother Varney told me one time, Years ago, matter of fact, I hadn't been to Kirby, but maybe about a week. And he, we drove around, and he showed me where a lot of folks lived. And, and we were talking, and finally we got out, and he was going to uh, go back to his home. And uh, they'd bought a home to come see. And I said, Brother Barney, I said, can you give me a piece of advice? Can you just give me something, you know, to... And, and I just, man, I'm telling you, I was reaching in to grab my pen because I was going to write this down. This was going to be the best thing I'd ever heard in my life. And he looked at me and he said, just remember, some of the best blessings you've ever got are the things that God never gave you. Huh? <laughs> now, see, I, I thought I needed a pearl of, of great wisdom. I'm telling you, I cannot tell you the number of people that I have, it's in the hundreds of hundreds now, that I have shared that truth with. And they look at me like I'm a genius. No. See, if all we want is all we've known, 
And God says, no, I got something better for us. And we never trust him to put our tin cup down and to fix our eyes on Jesus to do something supernatural in our natural world, in our natural heart, and do something extraordinary in our ordinary heart. We will never know what it is to have the blessing and power and the authority of Jesus Christ in our heart and in our life. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about us who don't read our Bibles anymore. I'm talking to us who don't pray anymore. I'm talking to us who look at church as a duty or an opportunity to hold the tin cup up to get you through another day. God says, I don't want to get you through another day. I got something better for you. And then they did something that's interesting. We we don't catch it in, in any of our translations. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And walk. Can you imagine what he must have thought? They want me to get up and walk? They were asking this beggar man to do something he had never done before. He had seen people walk, but he had never experienced walking. He knew what the term meant. But he had never experienced strength in his legs, balance and agility. He had never experienced his his knees, you know, bending and standing, his ankles doing whatever ankles do and your toes and all of that kind of... He'd never experienced that. So they asked him to do something that he had never experienced before. Now the man is at a crossroad. You know he's not getting any money. His, His heart is just... You know, melted because they go, silver and gold have I none. And now in front of everybody who's going to the ninth to the third three o'clock prayer service in front of the gate called Beautiful, they hear him go, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now he's got a choice. Do I believe it? That, that something extraordinary should I expect Should I have high expectations? Should I expect that God has something extraordinary in my life? Or do I just settle? Do I just settle for the low expectations because I was a a beggar and I was was born lame and and I was always been lame and, and I'll always be lame and I've been a beggar and I am a beggar and I'll always be a beggar. Now he's at a crossroad. Do I trust in a God that I cannot see? Do I put what I know down and leave it behind for something better? What about you? What's the tin cup you hang on to that keeps you living in the, a life of low expectation? Is it just the rut or the routine? Is it the lack of spiritual discipline in your life? Is it the the lack of personal worship and devotion? I I mean, here's a man, and and his choice was, put the cup down, let go, stand up and walk.
what Peter was asking him to do was asking him to put down what he knows for something that he doesn't know. He knew the cup. He didn't know how to walk. He knew what it was to beg. But he didn't know how to give. And so Peter just challenged this man right there where he was at. Now, by the way, I do believe that it was Peter and John's job to help the man, but not to go to his level of low expectation. I believe it was their job to reach down and help him. And even though the man knew he was lame and had always been lame, and he was lame yesterday and he was going to be lame tomorrow, they were there to call him to something higher and something better. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand. He puts his cup down, and the, the word is actually kind of one of the translations in the Greek is they seized. In other words, Peter put, Peter put the death grip on that arm. He reached down and he seized the man. He was going to give him every opportunity to have something better, something different. He reached down and was going to help him up. And this is so cool. And as he started lifting him, the Bible says, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Now, I'm telling you, this is absolutely incredible because you and I got to understand something. Peter and John could have walked by and put a lot of change in that man's tin cup. Peter and John could have knelt down and prayed over the man, laid hands on the man. Peter and John could have quoted scripture in the Psalms about bringing comfort in Psalm 30, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. They could have gone down to the level of low expectation, but they didn't. Can I just remind you and I as Christians, the Holy Spirit's job is to not to make you comfortable in your lameness. The Holy Spirit is not to enable your crippledness. The Holy Spirit of God does not want you to be a spiritual beggar. The Holy Spirit of God wants you to be a spiritual victor walking in the authority and the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so they seize his hand. Just much like the Holy Spirit tries to get a hold of us and ask us to leave behind what we know and trust him for what we don't know. Peter told the lame man, he said, I don't have what you want, but I got something better. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Let me just say a word about the Jesus of Nazareth because you hear a lot of that today, especially on television. Just people say, just claim it in the name of Jesus. Just claim it in the name of Jesus. Just claim it in the name of Jesus. You don't think somebody in 40 years told that man to get up in the name of God? You don't think somebody in, in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry told him about a miracle-working Messiah who fed 5,000, who walked on the water, who healed the lame legs and caused blind eyes to see? You don't think somebody told them about Jesus? Uh, 
people were probably dropping the Jesus name all the time. And, and, and you get a lot of wrong theology sometimes because they just say it and believe it in the name of Jesus. As if the name of Jesus is some magic formula or some magic potion. Listen, I want you to understand something. Can we go back to verse 6 for just a second? Why don't you see it up on the screen? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 that there's no other name given among men under heaven where you and I must be saved. In Acts chapter 1, verses, or in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, the Bible tells us that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So when you invoke the name of Jesus and when Jesus shows up, the spiritual authority to do God's business, that Jesus mediates between you and God, it's when what you are praying for lines up with what God is doing. And that's when you pray in Jesus' name. 16-year-old, Praying sincerely for a 69 red Corvette is God obligated to hear that prayer? Oh, he'll hear it. He hears every prayer. God says, no, I got something better for you. I got a truck. 23 years ago, four now, we were looking, you know, leading one ministry in, and a church in Michigan calls us. And I am just simply telling you, of all the places I was willing to go, of all the 50 states in the United States I was willing to go, this was number 50 on the list. No desire to come here. I will never forget crossing the Ohio border, which Toledo, to me, is a very beautiful city. I know it's not to many of you. The last bastion of Ohio beauty. And then for 20 miles, all you see is power lines down the right side of the road as you're coming north on 75. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the ugliest place I've ever been in my lifetime. And so as Terry and I prayed, God, show us your will. Jesus, show us your will. So we're praying. God's moving. God's moving on people that I, we didn't even know then, but our dearest friends now. God moving on their heart. God moving on our heart. And then praying in Jesus' name. Boom! All I'm simply saying is that contrary to popular television theology, you do not get to banty around the name of Jesus and expect God just to open up the windows of heaven and give you whatever you want, no matter how foolish, no matter how much it keeps you living at the level of low expectation, no matter how much it enables your spiritual lameness just because you pray in Jesus' name. Jesus moves on behalf of God the Father. He moves on behalf of humanity and for you and I when what we are praying for and what God is doing lines up and then, boy, boom, the extraordinary happens. So he sees the man. And he didn't go, you know, I'm the Apostle Peter. I'm kind of the head of the New Testament church. Yeah. 
You'll be able to catch me on the local Jerusalem TV network. I'm going to have seminars in the top five cities of Israel. Peter is simply the, mo- the mouthpiece, and he says, in the name of Jesus. When was the last time you walked with such confidence with God that you could pray in the name of Jesus because you knew what God was doing in your heart and it was pretty what God was doing in, in and around you and you knew that praying in his name that God would show up. That takes faith, doesn't it? <laughs> that takes putting down the tin cup and really stepping out there, doesn't it? I mean, mean, that really is about believing in God for something more than what you've already known, but yet we get comfortable with what we know, know, and it's hard to put down what we know and what we trust, and to trust God, who we don't know all that well, and trust Him for something greater. But I'm telling you, if you ever want to rise above the level of low expectation, if you want to ever move past your spiritual lameness, then you got to let go of what you know. you got to let somebody help you along the way. They may not give you what you want, silver and gold, have I none, but they may have something better in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk, verse 7. Verse 7 says this. Verse 7 says... Thank you. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Look at verse 8. And it says, and leaping, he stood and began to walk. I want you to understand something. Go back to verse 7. And his feet were made strong. Go to verse 8. He bypasses walking. He bypasses standing. He immediately goes... To leaping. Now at my age, I got an inch and a quarter vertical leap. But man, I would imagine this 40-year-old dude at the front of the gate called Beautiful at 3 in the afternoon. I bet he just started shouting. Woohoo! And he is prancing around. He is shaking that leg. He is going, look at me. He's probably jumping off water pots and jumping on the banister and jumping on the bench and jumping off the bench. He is having himself a time. Why? Because Jesus showed up. Can I just let us know? I know we are a Baptist church. Big deal. Listen, when Jesus shows up, it is time to leap for joy when Jesus shows up. When you can put down, when you can put down the tin cup and move beyond your lameness, when Jesus shows up, man, we ought to shout for joy. And then he stood and he began to walk. I don't know if he did this. I don't know if he skipped. I don't know if he hopped. I don't know if he jumped. I don't know what he did. But it caught everybody's attention. And he went to the temple. When I, the Bible doesn't tell this. But I just think it would have been so cool to walk fast into the temple and go, by, go back by the guy who gave him the coin and go, hey, here's your money back. 
Hey, here's your money back. Don't need it anymore. Got something better. And people go, what is that? Who is that? What we, isn't that the guy that what's going on? Oh, by the way, when Jesus shows up, he went to church. Peter and John didn't have to tell him. And he was praising God. Peter and John didn't have to tell him that either. It was the natural outflow of living now a life of high expectation. God gave me strength to walk. And leaping, he stood up and walked and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And church hadn't even started yet. I would love to come to Sunday morning church one time. With people jumping all over the place at 9.15. Simply because God is in the house. Look at verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And verse 10 is really kind of cute. The English really doesn't translate it very well and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him in other words they took note it's just like me with brother barney i got my pen out and started you know getting ready to write it down they started taking note man something something good something incredible what is this that guy and they recognized him by the way, I want you to understand something. That man was in front of the church for 40 years. And the church couldn't, didn't, not couldn't, didn't help him out of his life of low expectation. They thought they were doing their Christian duty by just, by just putting some, some little coins in his, in his tin cup. And they felt good about themselves and they would go along the way. But when you take a little different approach and you go, look at me, silver and gold, have I none? I don't have what you need, but I got something better. And his name is Jesus. So in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, the Son of Jehovah, God Almighty, in the power and holiness and mercy and grace of his name, get up! And he did. Some of you today need to get up. Some of you just continue to live at the level of low expectation and you've settled for rightness, you've settled for routineness, you've settled for ordinary. And how in the world can an extraordinary God reduce himself to being just ordinary in your life? He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When was the last time someone was filled with wonder and amazement because of what God was doing in your life? When was the last time something just so incredible took 
you by such surprise that you took note and you were filled with wonder and amazement. When was the last time somebody had that with my life, with our church, with your life group? See, we, we settle for a life of low expectation. People took note of it. They said, what's going on with you? You're not, you're not begging anymore. You can walk. You got pep in your step. You got, a, you got a spark in your eye. You got courage in the way you walk. Your chest is held high. What's happened to you? And the band just jumping and leaping. The Bible doesn't tell us this part. I'm using my sanctified imagination. But I would just imagine he's gone, Jesus! It's Jesus! Do you ever in your wildest dreams think the man went back to the gate called beautiful at the 9, 12, and 3 o'clock prayer meeting and begged anymore? No, he did not. Because he was forever changed by the name of Jesus Christ. My challenge to you this morning is get up. Get up from a life of low expectations. Get up out of the rut of ordinary Christianity. Get up out of spiritual indifference. Get up out of begging and spiritual lameness where you're just begging for a blessing to get you through the next day, the next week, the next month. Ask, let God do something more and something better in your life. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is reaching down and he's going to grab onto your heart and say, walk. Quit begging. Walk. And it's your choice if you grab onto his hand. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes?